Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Next week is going to be a really um, fantastic Sunday for us. We have um, Kerry and Carol will be here, and also um, Tony Ling, possibly Matthew, also Ron Eagle, uh, maybe, maybe one or two others, and, and the gifts that are in, in the church here, the in-house gifts. And uh, the purpose of our gathering next Sunday will be to set in some new elders into the church. So if uh, Katie, you'd put my, there we go, expanding our eldership. And um, I would like to um, just, just share something this morning about eldership. How many of you, hands up in the room, if you've joined us since 2006? Hand, hands up, nice and high. Okay, so that was the last time we appointed new elders. So something, some teaching will be, will be really helpful to us because at least half the room have joined in the last uh, 11 years. So praise God for that. So I want to read um, four short passages just to begin with. And um, then we'll take it from there. And they are Isaiah 54, Acts 14, Titus 1, and 1 Peter Chapter 5. So the verses are up there. I'll read them. Um, they're all short little passages, but they'll, they'll give us a really good context for um, sharing this morning and then what will happen next Sunday. So here's, um, here's the word of the Lord to us. Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess, na dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. It was with that in mind I asked him if he would just share what he did this morning, because we talked um, several weeks ago, and he said, I really feel... Um, God wants us to know his, his, his plan and vision is so much more than we realize at times. God says, enlarge the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs deep. And something that, of what we're doing next week will be about strengthening, lengthening, establishing, putting strong pegs in the ground. Acts 14 is um, it's the story of Paul and Barnabas and their first missionary journey. Um, we're going to pick up just the last few verses which describe the end of that journey. They'd been through many places, preaching, preaching the gospel, establishing groups of believers. And then verse 21 tells us this. 
after they had evangelized that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the hearts of the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it's necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. Verse 23, when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. And then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. Uh, And after they spoke the message in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. We'll come back to that. And after they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them and that he'd opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and they spent a considerable time with the disciples. The third passage is in Titus. Chapter 1, verse 5. Did you notice that it was when they had appointed elders in every church that they had completed the work that they'd been sent out to do. And you'll find something similar here. Titus 1 verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. And as I directed you to appoint elders in every town... Someone who is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of wildness or rebellion. For an overseer, as God's manager, must be blameless, not arrogant, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to encourage with sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. And finally, 1 Peter. So keep going. After Hebrews, after James, 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses uh, 1 to four, one to seven. So this is Peter the Apostle. And he says, Therefore, as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of the Messiah and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion but freely, according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you younger men, be subject to the elders, and all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he cares about you. Amen. They're great passages, aren't they? Um, Why are we expanding the eldership? Well, because of the growth that's taken place and because of the growth that is taking place and, and, of course, because of all the growth that will take place. It's necessary, we believe, to expand our eldership because, um, because we need to take great care of everything God has given us um, as well as going into all the new things and the new places God has for us. And because everything about the kingdom of God, everything about the true church, everything about the mission of God is expansive. Yes? And um, uh, let me just say, we are expanding our eldership. Now, I don't want to be over picky on words, but that's a really important phrase. We're not adding elders in the sense of an ex- um, some sort of um, extension that's added on the side of something that already exists and is separate. We're expanding what we have, expanding our eldership. We want all that's good in our existing three-man eldership to be expanded into an eldership that will be twice that size. Expansion, not an addition, it's not an add-on. Um, it, it, there's, there's no, nobody's going to be punished for using the wrong words, but in our, in our thinking, think expansion. In my recent readings in Matthew 16, Ephesians 3, Acts all the time, Ephesians all the time, Um, Acts 6, Acts 14 that we just read from, Titus, Psalms, Psalm 133. I realize Jesus is building his church and um, what he's building is strong and secure and able to overcome every enemy, every assault of every enemy, every demonic power, every, every name that opposes his name. Jesus is building his church so that nothing will overpower it. Do you know the church, Ephesians says, is God's masterpiece? The church is the most beautiful thing God has ever created. In all creation, the church is his masterpiece. Ephesians tells us that. And and as we read there, the church is expressed not only... um, The church is expressed from town to town, from city to city and is not complete until there are elders in those towns, in those churches, that every expression of his church is incomplete without elders. We'll come on to that. That the growth of the church happens as everybody plays their part. And um, when you read Acts 6, you realize that growth in the church always requires an expansion of leadership and new wineskins, new patterns to be embraced. And I love the fact that God simply commands blessing when brothers dwell together in unity. So all of these things are crucial for us at this time. I'm really excited about next week. Loads of anticipation, not for next week in and of itself, but for all that it 
represents, all that it will lead us into. And, um, and because uh, there, are, there are many new people amongst us, because it's a long time since we did this, although some of these things will be familiar, what I wanted to do this morning was answer some um, FAQs, frequently asked questions, at least I ask them, even if you don't, about eldership. And so that's what we're going to do. We've got, we've got 10 questions we're going to ask, and I'll answer them. And if I can't, I'll call upon Richard. <laughs> so number one, what is an elder? And, and let me just say this. I know some of you are here, and, and, and where what you've seen before may not be what I'm describing. Um, I, I believe what you'll hear this morning will be a breath of fresh air to you. A breath of fresh air. What is an elder? Well, the, I believe the scriptures teach us that an elder is a man who is suitably qualified and able, uh, sorry, suitably qualified and appointed and able to lead, to watch over, and to care for God's people. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's interesting, Peter is Peter's one of the 12, he's an apostle, but he also is a fellow elder. And he describes um, the eldership very well, and, and he speaks about overseeing and shepherding. And we'll come to those words in just a moment. Um, now, there are many types of leaders in the church, and there are many types of gifts in the church. And this is really important. An elder is, is, is one type of leader with a specific task to do. And, and the specific responsibilities of an elder are looking after the flock of God. The, the word elder in the Old Testament appears frequently and it was described, um, it, it was used to describe either literally the, the older members of the community or the religious leaders were known as elders. The Jewish, um, some of the Jewish religious leaders. And, and yet, in the New Testament, the same word is used to describe now leaders in the church, elders. And the first reference you find in the book of Acts is in Acts 11. Uh, you can turn there sometime. But, but what you find after that, and we read this in Acts 14, is they returned from their first journey, and on the way back, they appointed elders in every church. This isn't, so it's, it's not, uh, they're not alternative types of leadership and call them what you want and, and have the type that best suits. Elders were appointed in every church. When you come to Titus, he says, Paul says, the reason I've left you in Crete is to appoint elders in every town. Elders were the, other, the biblical norm for leaders in the church, for, for these kinds of leaders, these leaders given to care for the flock. So the second question is, what do they do? And let's just expand upon this a little bit more. There are, there are two words, and um, um, in 1 Peter 5, and, and also in Acts chapter 20 that we'll turn to in a moment, um, these, well, actually, there's three words that all come together. Two of them are virtually synonymous. They, they are used, they could be used interchangeably. And they are, um, the word, the Greek word is presbuteros, and it, it's translated as elder. And the other word is episkopos, which is translated as overseer. And those two words, elders and overseers, are synonymous words. An elder is an overseer. An elder oversees. 
And then the third word, which uh, we'll just read it in 1 Peter 5 first. If, just, if you're still there. Um, here we go. Verse, verse is 1 and 2. Uh, I exhort the elders among you. End of verse 1. I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely. Elders are overseers who shepherd God's flock. Turn with me now to Acts 20, and you'll see the same thing here. This is a Bible study this morning. Acts 20. In verse 17, Paul has called all the elders from the, from, the F, from the church in Ephesus, and he's called them all together. And verse 17 says that from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So it's very clear who, who he's called for. And then in verse 28, he speaks to the elders He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. So he's talking to the elders and now he describes them as overseers to shepherd the church of God. Elders are overseers and and what they do is uh, they oversee, they, they watch over and they shepherd the church, they shepherd the flock of God. Um, what specifically does that involve? Well, I'll, I'll just I'll mention the references here, and you can look at these. But, but first of all, that shepherding role, and this is what you can expect, what you should expect from your elders, from myself, from Richard, from Christopher, from Phil, from Stephen, and from Richard Pemberton. This is this is what you can rightly expect from us that we will shepherd you um, in a way a shepherd cares for his flock leading guiding feeding I would say clothing that would be a bit odd wouldn't it but protecting covering um, watering washing cleansing I always remember talking to um, Bryn Jones um many, many years ago, and he said he'd been, he lived with a shepherd in, in Cornwall, I think it was, because he wanted to understand what the role of a shepherd was. He lived with a shepherd for, for a week, I think he said. And he said, this, shepherd, this, this literal shepherd of animal sheep um, could, could run his hand through the, through the, the, um, the wool, across the back of the fleece, that's the word I'm looking for, the fleece, of his sheep with his eyes closed and he would know which one it was. That's the, the care, the attention of a good shepherd to his sheep. So we will shepherd you. The word says here in Acts 20, we read it, to guard the flock. We, we take that responsibility really seriously, to guard the flock um, one, 1 Timothy 5 talks about directing the affairs of the church. We believe that is the role of, a, of an elder, of, a, of a, an overseer. 
Um, 1 Timothy 3 speaks about teaching sound doctrine. You know we take that one seriously. Um, We read in Titus to, to discern and to correct, and if necessary, to refute erroneous doctrine. James chapter 5 speaks about calling for the elders if you're sick and for them to pray with you for for your healing. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul writes to Timothy, he speaks about the gift he received when the body of elders laid their hands on him. Elders are given to impart something to people through prayer and the laying on of hands. So, the work of an elder is, um, is wonderful. And um, if we just turn to 1 Timothy 5, elders should work hard. 1 Timothy 5 says, um, "1 Timothy 5 verse 17. Everybody OK? The elders who are good leaders should be considered worthy of an ample honorarium, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Um, Elders should work hard, but they are not appointed to do all the hard work. Did you catch that? Um, we, We despise a model of church in which all the work is left to a few people. That is not the body of Christ. Elders have a task to do, but we all have a task to do. And I come back to that again and again. Elders are not in a hierarchy. We're part of a body. We have a specific task, and we work hard in it. But there's lots of hard work for all God's people. Um, We have a specific task, but everybody has a really important part to play. Hear the exhortation this morning. Third question. Did I say I had 28 questions? Third question. Do elders have authority? Yes, they do. Elders do have a spiritual authority. Um, That does not mean authoritarianism. God forbid. But elders do have authority spiritual authority. So if if you turn to Hebrews 13, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which I would recommend. It's great. Or For those of you who like the modern tablets, you could just turn it up. So, if Hebrews 13, verse 17. Now, let me just say, this this verse does not use the word elder. However, it says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Or I think the NIV says, submit to their authority. For they keep watch over you. So it's describing leaders who watch over, which is the role of an elder. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 
So we'll come back to that. So they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So yes, elders have authority. Um, Acts 20, 28. We're going to dot around a bit here, but we read the major passages right at the start. But in Acts 20, 28, it says, um, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. Wow. That's serious business. The Holy Spirit appoints elders as overseers and gives them authority, a spiritual authority, to function in, the, in this task. And, um, and we can also, un- we, we would also understand that authority of an elder as, as also a, an, appo- an allotment or a delegation of an apostle's authority because the apostles are, as we read in Acts 14, are appointing the elders to take care of the churches they've established. And in doing so, and we'll come on to this, they do that on behalf of an apostle. That's really important for us. And therefore, this authority, this spiritual authority, which is established by the Holy Spirit, is also an allotment, we would see, of an apostolic authority. Uh, And we see apostles and elders as uh, providing the government, the governing the ruling authority in the churches. Acts 15 makes it very clear that the doctrine, which was so essential for the growth of the church, was established by the apostles and elders. But 1 Peter 5 verse 3, the passage we read, says, do not lord it over. This is an authority. It's not a worldly authority. It's It's not a hierarchical authority. And um, nobody is to lord it over anybody else by being harsh, by being domineering. And, and I often think, c- can you imagine Jesus leading in that way? The one who had all authority in heaven and on earth. But he wasn't authoritarian. Wasn't harsh, wasn't domineering. He respected people. That's what you should expect from any eldership. We also believe that because of the the, um, the, the ruling, the headship, that apostles and elders are men in the church. We've taught uh, on ex- extensively in last year on authority, our understanding of, of that. Um, does this mean apostles and elders are in charge of the church? That would be a really unhelpful way of looking at things. Jesus is in charge of his church. <laughs> And he's the chief shepherd and and everybody else, whether it's the task of an apostle, an elder, a deacon, a worship leader, a life group leader, um, somebody offering hospitality, whatever the task is, Jesus is in charge of his church. He's the chief shepherd. We serve under him. Amen. So how do elders function? Question four. And, and here, I just want to make some really important points. And I'll, I'll come back to these right at the end to describe how, you, how we want our, our eldership here to function. But in terms of some general points, first of all, there should always be a plurality of elders, more than one. There is, there's no place in the Bible where you read of an elder in, in the singular but always, as, as, as I mentioned in um, 
1 Timothy chapter 4. It talks about the body of elders, the plurality, the group of elders. Paul calls the elders of the church in Ephesus to him. Um, So elders should always work together. That's just a principle of biblical leadership, isn't it? Jesus sent them out two by two, didn't, didn't send anybody by themselves. Elders work together. They can't function alone. And you should be really concerned if an elder becomes independent of the others or starts to make decisions without reference to anybody else or tries to promote himself as the greatest amongst the eldership. Be really concerned if you see that. Challenge it. So elders work together in plurality. Um, Second really important point is elders are not independent of the gifts that Jesus has given his church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And I'll come on to how they relate together in just a moment. But elders are not independent of those and can't be isolated from them and can't, can't do their job without the input of those gifts which Jesus has given specifically to help the church come to maturity. Elders have as their main concern the care of the flock. Let me just use Richard Pemberton as an, as an example. Richard, you all, you know Richard because he's been around for the last four years. Four years. Four years. Every time Richard shares and speaks, you're hearing, you're hearing a man who cares for the flock. It, it oozes out of him. A care for the flock. And, and that is, the, that is the, the, the driving, motivating passion of an elder is the care of the flock. Those gifts that Jesus has given his church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, their overriding passion and burden is the equipping of the body. Uh, and, and so we need a leadership in which those two elements, the care of the flock and the equipping of the body, can be really fused together Elders and gifts working. Some elders may be also the gifts of Christ, of course, but not necessarily so. So we have elders who work together, who who work with the gifts that Jesus has given his church. I believe, we believe strongly there should be friendship amongst elders. They are not colleagues working in an organization, but they're friends and brothers serving a calling and a passion and, a, and the greatest saviour ever together. Brothers working together, friends. And, um, and this is really important because amongst those friends, there will be a mutual respect and honouring of the, of the different types and the different measures of the gifts that exist amongst those men you'll find no jealousy or competition. Rather, you'll find an appreciation of each other and a drawing on each other's gifts. Above all, perhaps, on this point, how do elders function? They function because they have an amazing wife. You were a bit slow there. And and I've put that as the the fourth of these little points, but it's, it's 
huge in its importance. An elder cannot function effectively without an amazing wife alongside him. And although the responsibility and the weight of eldership falls on the man, he can't function in that role without his wife. Okay? Again, we've taught extensively on those things over the last 12 months. Number five question. That's really important. Deborah's not an elder. Don't share things with Deborah expecting her to um, carry the weight and the responsibility of my eldership. She doesn't. And I, I wouldn't let her do that, neither with Sarah or Annie or Sharon or, or Ellie or Mandy. I missed somebody out. That's it, that's it. To be really careful now. This also means, by the way, Anna is now relegated to the seventh elder again. He keeps getting higher up the list, and then we... That was the first thing he said to me when I told him. He said, does that mean I'm number seven? <laughs> yes, brother. Um, is eldership a gift? I've used this word gift. And, and just to make this clear, turn, turn to 1 Timothy 3. Eldership is not a gift. Eldership is a task. 1 Timothy 3. This is a trustworthy saying. Or, sorry, I just said that automatically from the NIV. This saying is trustworthy. See, all the difference in the world. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Or NIV says a, a noble task. It's really helpful, that, isn't it? Because, first of all, it's not wrong to aspire to be an elder. You're aspiring, aspiring to a really noble task. But the emphasis, just to say, it's a noble task. Eldership is a task. Eldership is a responsibility. Eldership is a role. And an elder may have many, um, many God-given gifts, many talents, many abilities. He may even be recognized and as an Ephesians 4 gift, as Peter was. But his eldership is a, is a job he does, it's a task he does, it's a responsibility he carries. And he'll do that using the gifts he has. But, but eldership isn't a gift. It's not, you don't receive the gift of eldership. You, you might receive all sorts of gifts, but then you use those gifts to do the job of an elder, the work of an elder, the task of an elder. I'm probably emphasizing something that doesn't need emphasizing. The significance of that is this. Eldership can be for a season. It's not a job for life. And um, uh, we've got Julian, we've got Steve here, uh, Richard himself, have all served as elders before, but are not currently serving as elders because there may come a time where either the, the desire isn't what it was to function in that way or the capacity with other things in life isn't sufficient None of those things mean anybody's become any less gifted. They've just stepped out of the task they were doing and thrive in other tasks. Number six, to whom are elders accountable? Well, first of all, are they accountable? Absolutely. Everybody is accountable to somebody, and elders are no exception. And they're accountable, firstly, to God himself. Take care of the flock of whom the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. So our, the first 
lion of accountability is to, is to the Lord. As we read in Hebrews 13, if we take that to be a reference to elders, it says they, they will have to give an account. And um, you, again, you know we take that seriously. We believe elders will have to account not only for their own lives on that great day, but for their eldering, to give an account to God. And then secondly, elders are accountable to the apostle who laid his hands on them and appointed them to lead the churches he'd founded or established on his behalf. And thirdly, um, to one another. And where it says in, go back to Acts 28 if you would, just got three more points after this, Acts 28. Sorry, Acts 20. Thank you, pardon. Acts 20, 28. You read, you read on from this verse and you realize the context. Acts 20, verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And men from among yourselves, from among themselves, this is the group of elders he's speaking to, men from among yourselves will rise up with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I'm so grateful for apostolic oversight and um, for accountability proper accountability and that um, the church is the church that Jesus is building is is divinely designed so that we there can be accountability and there is accountability for elders first to the Lord also to the apostle who's appointed them and then to one another keep watch over yourselves I think firstly he's saying elders keep watch over yourselves watch over each other and so the six of us um, for as long as we're six, we'll, we'll watch over each other and guard each other, protect each other and make sure we're all staying on track. Make sure no deviant doctrines emerge. I, I, it's, not like a, it's not likely to happen. Okay. So, we are accountable. Number seven, how do elders relate to the church Kerry has a phrase which is really helpful. He says, elders are part of the body, not apart from the body. We're just a part of the body. In Philippians chapter 1, when Paul, uh, Paul writes to the church there, he says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus to all the saints 
in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. The, the, the overseers, the elders and the deacons were, were included amongst all the saints. So there's a body, and, here, and you look around this room, there's a body here full of all types of different gifts, different roles, different functions, and included in the body are two elders and, and two that will shortly be in eldership with us, but we're, we're four men in a body. The body includes the elders, and, and we're part of the body. We're never apart from the body in some sort of uh, separated way. We're part of the body. And so our relationship with the body is, is warm and friendly and loving. Uh, we're not to be aloof. The church is a family, not a business, not an organization, and there should be no sense of hierarchy whatsoever. Challenge that if you observe it. Number eight. Again, if I, just to finish on that, we, we must relate to each other the way Jesus relates to people with great respect both ways. Elders are to be um, highly regarded, it says in 1 Thessalonians. They should be highly regarded because of their work. But, but equally, we highly regard you because of your function. There's high regard amongst all of us. Number eight, what are the qualifications of an elder? Well, I read out the passage in um, Titus. Um, there's a very similar passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's a lot of things that are, are said in both passages. And there's a list of qualifications. And when we announced these three men, we asked you to read uh, those lists and to let us know whether you felt they, each man fulfilled the criteria uh, thank you for the overwhelmingly positive responses. It was a great blessing. An elder should be the husband of one wife, which means essentially he's faithful. He should be temperate, meaning he can master his appetites. Self-controlled, disciplined, respectable. Um, his behavior should, should lead others to respect him. Hospitable, happy to express love for others by sharing his home, his possessions, able to teach, able to uh, refute error, not given to drunkenness, uh, gentle, not quick-tempered, not quarrelsome or overbearing, not a lover of money, free from financial greed or anxiety, content in every situation, should manage his own family well, with children who, who obey him and believe. There should be good order in his home. Do you know, it's possible to assess a man's suitability by observing his marriage, his home life. In fact, Paul goes on to say, if he can't look after his home, his own home, how can, how can he look after God's home? So these things should be, should be pretty obvious. Not a recent convert um, and have a good reputation with outsiders. I was so blessed to hear that when Richard Pemberton recently um, changed his job around a bit and left uh, the practice that he was working with, and he said he, he's taking um, all his appointments are lasting three times longer this week because all his patients are so upset that he's leaving. And there's a man with a, who has a good reputation with outsiders. And I could say the same of, of all of us, I trust. I trust I could say the same for myself.
How are, um, how are elders appointed, number nine? Well, we believe that um, the, the church, the flock of God, should be involved in the appointment of elders. And, and although the, um, the proposal might have come from uh, ourselves, uh, with Kerry's, um, Kerry being aware of that, of course, that you've had an opportunity to, to let us know what you think. And um, you, you find the same thing in Acts chapter 6 when the seven are appointed. And um, you find in Acts 14, it says they appointed elders f- for the people. You think this is, this is, an, this is an appointment for God's people. So, we, so God's people are involved in that. And if, um, if the requirements are met, then we would say an elder is properly appointed by an apostle or by an apostle's delegate, such as Titus. And will involve, will involve the laying on of hands, which we believe brings an impartation, releases a gift, establishes government, sets a man into what is first and foremost a spiritual position. And um, the appointing of elders by the apostle then releases him to extend his sphere. One of the things we've always said of these, we don't want Kerry to have any concern about this church. We want to lead in a way that he's only blessed by what he hears. He doesn't have to be concerned and he can, he can extend the kingdom of God uh, in, in many other places. Um, I mentioned right at the beginning that when they'd appointed elders, it completed something. And when Titus is told to appoint elders to, to, to do what's currently undone. And, you know, the appointment of elders, and this, this takes us into this phase we're coming into, is, is part of the foundations, which is why it's an apostolic function, is part of the laying of foundations. So when we appoint elders to, um, to uh, care for the flock in Market Harbour, it's going to be a really significant completion of a phase of something in Harbour and, and, and readiness for the next phase. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.